right, well, welcome to Taking Up Your Time with Bobby Benavides. I am your host, Bobby Benavides. And yes, my voice is shot. I don't know what happened. Um, just over here with laryngitis, I guess. This shows me, though, too, I should have been more prepared. Because last week, I was supposed to record an opening for this episode. And my schedule just got out of hand and I wasn't able to. So here I am, recording this opening with laryngitis. So I apologize to you listening. But don't worry, the interview... You hear my voice normal, and I think it sounds better than what you're listening to now. Um, but in this episode, I, I get to interview Nick Griffith, a comedian now living in L.A., originally from West Virginia. Um, I got to do some comedy with him in the um, early stages of my career, um, and he's funny. Um, he has some funny stuff that he does. Anyway, you're going to hear a little bit about what alt comedy is like, uh, what his comedic career has been like and what the L.A. scene is like for him right now. So again, I apologize. Laryngitis is not good uh, to be trying to record an opening for a podcast episode, but here we are. But hey, here we go. Here's my conversation with Nick Griffith. This is Taking Up Your Time with Bobby Benavides. All right, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, doing all right. How are you today? Doing great, dude. Doing great. So, uh, hey man, I'm glad you're on the podcast, dude. Like, let's just let's just let's just chat. Let's just chat. So, um, so so Nick Griffith, I'm uh, I'm glad to have you on talking about comedy, talking about what you're doing. Um, so so I, I gave the backstory when I introed, but um, hey, Nick and I, we we go back, back like we because like you you West Virginia is where we were. We started doing comedy together out here, doing little little shows, bits and pieces, and then you moved out to L.A. You, oh. you went to went to my neck of the woods. Yeah, it's kind of ironic. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, it was kind of weird. Like I moved back uh, to LA for non comedy reasons. Actually, um, mm. my wife got a job here during the the stuff that the pandemic or whatever, and uh, I had lived out here for uh, almost a decade uh, before that. Um, mm. and I was like doing like filmmaking and that sort of stuff. Uh, and then I had like a little rough spot where I was just like, ah, I'm tired of this. And I decided to go back home to West Virginia. And um, my, um, my, my brother and sister-in-law asked me to be the officiant at their wedding. And at the time I had like this crippling stage fright where I was just like, oh God, the, the whole like idea of getting on stage, like really, really like scared me it made me feel anxious or whatever so i was like i gotta yeah. i've been doing some improv at the time and um that's a little bit different because you're on stage with a group of people and uh, like part of it's like you're supposed to screw up <laughs> like that's part of the fun of it mm -hmm. um but as far as like being like um uh giving a monologue um i i it had been forever since i tried to do something like that uh and so i was like i have to um try to be better at public speaking before this so i was like okay i'm gonna do some stand-up uh and i tried to go to there, there's this place called mojo's uh huh? down in south charleston um and I, I um i showed up one thursday that was supposed to be comedy night there was nobody there <laughs> uh i'm like oh no oh, am i in the right place you know uh so i go found a Facebook page. I was just like, Hey guys, what's going on with comedy? They're like, Oh, that's, that's next week. And I was like, okay. So, you know, like, like 
I, I show up. I'm like always super early for stuff because I'm like an anxious person. Um, and I'm like in my car sitting there, like I'm going to crank up this metal music and hardcore and just like listening and get pumped up for this. And um, so I'm doing at that time. Uh, I was like, I, I, I'm not really like a stand up, stand up. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like a conceptual <laughs> comedian or something. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do like, I've been influenced by like Second City and like UCB and uh, IO and stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do like this alt stuff, you know, like I'm going to do. Uh, so I, I come up with this character. Uh, to, I also didn't want to like use my, for some reason, I didn't want to use my real name. And like, now I realize how little that matters. Like there, there was not anybody who was going to be like, oh, I remember you. You're, you know, you're <laughs> You're never gonna work in West Virginia again, <laughs> you yeah. know. Oh, like my first mic or whatever. And so, like, I go in and um, I'm playing this character um, as I said, it was a uh, it was a prison GED graduation class uh, speech. So, like, basically, yeah, like congratulations on graduating <laughs> your GED class in prison, you know. And I, I and of course everybody thought I was weird because I'm I'm weird. But then like that's an additional layer of weirdness. I'm not sure that the West Virginia comedy scene was prepared for. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that's kind of how I got started. And then like I did a couple more like things like that. And I got kind of tired of bombing. I was just like, wow, people aren't like really laughing at this. I think I need some jokes. And so, like, I, I started writing jokes. Um, and, of course, like, starting off, some of them are pretty juvenile and stupid. And I, I, that's just how it goes, you know. And though um, over the years, I have found a couple of uh, those original jokes that actually still I, I was still telling until recently. Mm. Uh, so, you know, like, like the, some of those early jokes we write are just sometimes they're just good you rewrite them and good concepts good premises and yeah. all that uh, then uh flash you know I, I started doing the grind uh i started going to every mic i could um i started uh i, I would drive to huntington and try to get on those spots i tried to extend i'd go like to uh extend it out into like lexington and try to go up to morgantown and parkersburg and all that yeah. and it, it was all you know, like, like, um, and, and just bombing and bombing and bombing and bombing and bombing. Like I bombed black sheep in the old room, probably like, 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 like it was probably 20 times before I, I thought that I had an okay set. Uh, <laughs> and I remember like somebody came up to me after that set and they're like, well, you didn't totally suck tonight. Jeez. <laughs> And I was like, well, it wasn't a comedian. It was like one of the staff members. It was like, I'm on the right track. <laughs> uh, That's encouraging. Uh, yeah, at least you didn't suck really bad tonight. <laughs> I mean, like, I definitely sucked. But uh, I didn't suck as bad that night. <laughs> uh, slowly I started building an act. Uh, you know, like, like uh, finding stuff that was working. Uh, the whole black sheep uh 
the original black sheep location was just a grinder like it, it was a pressure cooker you just had like people all around you like it was almost in the round and uh it's loud in there and they're talking and there's people glasses clanking and it's a bar you know it's not much comedy um like those huntington cats like ran a tight show it was professional it was on time uh they they had um expectations for how you're doing it uh you know like like and um and they start you off with three minutes which is is right seems like it's not a lot of time uh but when you're a comedian who um uh, like like standard headliners supposed to have like uh a, at least like six laughs per minute is like kind of like mm-hmm. the club the club route or whatever and when, yeah. when you're like in your first year of comedy if if you have a couple jokes that that work like every time that's doing pretty good i think like uh Um, so I had a lot of help. Um, there's guys like uh, Jacob Paul who booked me on uh, like one of my first shows. Um, he he booked me up Marty Marty Gras, and he was promoting all of these uh, these events uh, and open mics and stuff. And he he was really moving like the scene forward at that time. Uh, oh, I think I forgot a part about how Mojo's burned down. Oh no. Yeah, that that's a that's an important fact. I think. Sorry about the ADD moment. Yes. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so Mojo's burns down, and uh, Char- <laughs> uh, like the day before a show, and I, somebody's like, um, "So, is there an open mic tonight on this this Facebook page?" And somebody's like, "Well, Mojo's is in the process of burning down right now, so probably oh not." My gosh. <laughs> And so, like, Jacob puts together this other mic at the Monkey Barrel, and, um, like, the, that first mic, it was literally, like, Jacob, uh, myself, and, like, one other comedian. And I, I don't even know, I can't even remember if there was anybody at that mic, but I just went out and do your thing or whatever. Um, and then Jacob started getting me uh, on other shows, uh, like Mardi Gras, which was cool. And... And from there, you know, like I met like Andy Frampton and, and started doing a lot of shows mm-hmm. with him. And I met uh, BT, uh, who was at the time the host of the Charleston Comedy Zone, which is gone now, unfortunately. And, yeah. um, you know, I did like a hard show with BT. It was a bar show uh, and Bridge Road Bistro in Charleston. And everybody was talking like they're all like it's loud. It's blah, blah, blah. So I'm like shouting into the microphone, going through my set or whatever. Yeah. Uh, my future wife's in the audience. So I'm like basically doing my set to her and BT. And then afterwards, he invites me. Well, did you did you know? Did you guys already like? Did you already like have a relationship with her, or did you see her and be like, "I'm talking to that girl" like the whole time? Oh, I wish it was that smooth and that cool. Though <laughs> uh, no, it was like we were hanging out, uh, so we were. It was starting, you know. The, the, okay. The, and yeah, and uh, I guess it was good enough, <laughs> like because uh, you know, like she married me. Either that, or yeah, she's man. like. I'm, she might be the funnier person in our marriage, though. Uh, she does, but she has. She, to... she is funny, dude. Like she's, she is super funny. Yeah, and she's not doing comedy out here, unfortunately. Uh, she's in roller derby now, which is 
been good though. Um, yeah. Like she's loving that. And, and, you know, like the LA comedy scene, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but yeah. yeah, the, um, yeah. So BT invites me to come out and uh, do guest sets at, at comedy zone. Uh, and so, like, I, I started doing that and hanging out there a little bit, uh, meeting some of the more professional comics that come through the area. And uh, and then, like, you know, I just kind of, like, used that to start getting into other places and it started getting a little bit better, funnier. Uh, and then, um, like, right, it was February... Uh, let's see, February, like the last week of February or something, 2020, uh, I, I, I was, I, I got to co-headline um, a show in Parkersburg and then I didn't get to do comedy again for like two years uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, and that, that little, that little bitty thing that happened. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it really sucked because like um, I was hitting a growth point, you know, mm -hmm. like, like, um, I was developing past like my um, anything to get a laugh phase uh, where you're just like, oh, that joke works. That joke works. Oh, that'll make them laugh, um, even though it's stupid or kind of a throwaway joke. And so I was developing into longer, like better written, uh, more meaningful jokes. Right. And so then I moved to. Uh, so everything shuts down for the pandemic and uh you know however you feel about that i was not comfortable with performing at that time um and i don't really care if other people were that's that's cool that was just my thing um and so uh my wife ended up getting covid and she got mm -hmm. mad at her employer and started like rage applying and one of the places she applied was a hospital out here in los angeles and i was like well, okay, go ahead and apply. You probably, yeah, like it's, it's, you know, you're probably, they're probably not going to like hire somebody from West Virginia to come out. So um, Thanksgiving weekend, they, they call and give her, her a job offer. And so we're like, okay, <laughs> I guess this is, this is going to nice. happen. Yeah. And, and we've like justify it with our parents. We're like, hey, um, you know, like we're gonna move out to LA. It's probably safer for COVID out there, you know, like they, they're, they're taking it a little more seriously than West Virginia, whatever. And then like as as the the move date gets closer, we watch the numbers in LA just like start skyrocketing. I'm like, well, I guess we can't use that as uh, a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Then I took about six months um, to kind of like, like things kind of like uh, boiled over and I went out and started like experimenting with mics around here. Um, there's a woman named uh, Carol Newell, who's uh, the uh, world's best laugh is what, what her, what she's known as. And she promotes show that she was doing like shows in a parking lot and at the North Hollywood diner. And so I would go and do those mics or whatever. I started doing some of the slotted mics around town. And I just remember being like, I kind of suck. <laughs> like, uh, you know, like this, um, moving to a big city like this, uh, especially for non-comedy reasons at first, um, is difficult, you know, like, like, you know, I, I, and at the time I didn't know this, but, um, a lot of like 
the headliners and bigger comics in, in the area were doing some of those mics at the time. And so I'm just like sitting there like, oh my God, like I'm totally over my head because mm. I'm watching somebody who is getting ready to go back, getting in shape to go back and do club work. Mm-hmm. And, and and that was like a really cool time now that I know better because I was like, oh my God, I got to watch these people do how they work, how they set their stuff up. And now some of those mics are populated by not as professional comedians, but that time frame, I was just like, I got to get better. And um, so I, I started doing some of the, like the auditions around here. I went to like uh, the flappers and all that. And I, I did my first flappers audition and uh, Paul, who is the head of their, their school there was just like, so you're a, you're like an alt comedian, right? And (laughs) I had that side to me for sure. I have an alt act, but I was just like, oh no, (laughs) like that's uh, uh, okay. And so then I like started like hanging out at Flappers more, watching that and uh, uh, seeing what they were doing. And I, I started developing more and more. And, you know, like, like the thing that sucks about like you're leveling up in comedy. Right. And I, I had just taken the break from the pandemic and so I'm getting back into it and it's, it's difficult because, um, you know, like, like I have to get back in shape first. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, and I'm trying to write material and it's just not working. And I'm like, is this because I don't, you know, like, is it because I, I, my confidence isn't there again? Like, yet? like I need to rebuild that or is this material not funny? Uh, and it, it, you know, it was probably a combination of both things at that time, but, um, slowly I started to, um, to regain the confidence. Uh, uh, I, I was using old jokes, reworking them, even though like, like, it's like a lot of my set, I didn't want to do out here because it was too similar to what other people were doing there's lots of like well my penis <laughs> like yeah you know, like so this girl and i did all this dirty stuff and i'm like you know like there's plenty of guys my age who look like me who think like me i guess um who are all telling similar jokes you know like that kind of like frat pack comedy and st- like it, and so i i was like i had to distinguish myself i can't be like at all these open mics like talking about you know my junk and how i want to stand out and in a good way yeah Uh, and so like i I started to push towards that and um uh, and then like i uh i wrote this the the set i'm i'm doing mostly right now um about this year 2022 started in the spring and 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 it's starting to work out and it's starting to get laughs and like i'm to that point where i i start off with the confidence uh and now people go along with it more out here in west virginia i didn't have as many problems with that like my, my my act was designed to go places that there wasn't a lot of comedy so you could get away with a little bit more here you gotta have like a little more structure uh you gotta um yeah, like like there's people have these preconceived notions of what they should be seeing when it comes to comedy. And, right. And that, yeah. And those preconceived notions vary from venue to venue, uh, club to club. You know, like you'll go to different clubs and they'll be like, "Never do this." 
and then so, uh, you go to a different club and they'll be like always do that thing the other club told you not to do yeah. uh, and so you have to like pick and choose and, and it's kind of like each one has their own little sets of rules and stuff uh, and so yeah. you, part of it's just figuring that out and um and then like so you have all this new material or at least i, I have like this material i'm trying to work and then I'm going to do these open mics and some of the, the people at the open mics are not happy people. Uh, you know, like uh, it, it's hard to get good feedback in a room. That's all comics. And that's what a lot of these open mics are. You, you have so to have. The, so you're saying the people at the open mic, they actually do in the mic aren't happy people. Like the people who are hosting the mic are, are fine. Or even the people. Or are you just saying the people like so like, to get good feedback from people at these mics? A lot of times, it's just gonna just kind of difficult. So you're saying it can be, yeah. Like you know, like like comics don't laugh at the same thing that that regular people laugh at. So if mm -hmm. you're out there killing an open mic, like a slotted open mic or something, uh, where um, that that you're probably that that material's probably not going to work if you go in front of like a real audience of non comics. And, mm -hmm. and so that that's really scary because you're like, okay, well, like I know that this joke should be good. That joke, and, and so like sometimes the first time uh, I get to do jokes on real people, I don't know how they're going to react. Right. You know, like like and I have instincts that okay, that's funny. Uh, okay, that gets like the kind of laugh I need from the open mic crowd. But, you know, like the, it's pretty much a lot of the mics are just the comics. And so you just have to be like careful. And it's kind of a little scary, you know. But it's been a good experience. Just like grinding. It's a different kind of pressure cooker than that black sheep room. But yeah. um, slowly and slowly I'm, I'm getting braver and branching out, doing bigger and bigger rooms. Uh like uh, I did, uh, I've done the Laugh Factory mic recently. That one was a fun one. Um, I've tried to do the Comedy Store. I was doing a mic, um, and um, I went to it. I, I didn't get my name drawn on that one, uh, uh, but that that's all right. Um, I'll go back. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, you know, slowly start getting booked on some other stuff. And uh, did like the World Series of Comedy uh, registered comedian showcase, and that went that went pretty fun a little well um i did what i needed to do in vegas and uh, i had fun with that show you know like that um met a lot of people out there but yeah it's 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 a different beast doing it here and doing it in west virginia yeah. I, I i don't think it's any like like the talent levels are similar you know like it's not like yeah you, the top 10 percent out here is going to be phenomenal but you know mm -hmm. that, that that's because they, they have television contracts and you know like uh, Netflix specials and stuff, which uh, and, and like there's people with that level of talent in West Virginia for sure. But mm -hmm. a lot of the, those people have uh, already developed somewhere else and then relocated here, yeah. and so you know like it's hard doing. Uh, some rooms with with people like that where you're like i don't have any tv credits like uh yeah uh, like i i i have fun i enjoy it i take it it's just kind of like a serious hobby to me like uh, i don't think i'm going to become like a comedy store regular anytime soon if mm -hmm. at all but you know what i'm meeting people i'm having a good time with it um and uh i get to see some really good comedy and yeah. uh, it's 
taken me some cool places and ha- had me uh, like like do some really fun adventures. Um, yeah, and I think and I think that's big, right? Because like again, I've talked about that on on this on this um, podcast and other episodes. It's like West Virginia when it comes to the mics around here, like they're few and far between, right? I mean, yeah. it's not. I mean, we don't have a bar in every location doing comedy like in in la like there's uh, plenty of options like you can you can do one mic and you can travel over to another mic on the same night you can hit two or three mics i mean i did that um i did i went to even in in tampa florida i went down to tampa and i did a, a show in in i did a show in ebor uh ebor say i did a um a cans for comedy which i i just interviewed um uh, ace uh and he he does his cans for comedy thing so i did his cans for comedy then i went over to ebor city improv and i did a um open mic there so that was like boom bounce from there then i did another um another mic that was just right up the road so i did i think i did three mics in one night right can't do that in West Virginia. It's not going to happen. Like it's just not, it's just not happening that way. And then um, in California, I went to uh, Chatterbox um, mm-hmm. in uh, West Covina. And, um, and I think, didn't they just open another, did they open a laugh factory near them or is there another? I, I, I think so. I think there's one out that way now. Um, yeah. Cause I think I remember the kind of like, uh, here we go. You know, I think it became like a little bit of a, a, a tense, a tense pot spot there, but but Chatterbox, their club. I mean, I've done it twice, and their their mics are solid. I mean, like a, it's just tight, tight venue. But people like Taylor Tomlinson have been there. Um, oh, that's cool. Other other people that have gone out there and, and done some good good stuff. But um, you know, that's a mic that whenever I'm, I want I want to whenever I go to California, like that's the one I want to hit all the time. Like I love that that mic. It's just a solid one. Um, other mics, I'm not not. I mean, I'm never not against them. I just you know, Chatterbox is just. I just like the idea of just being able to go into a, a tight venue. Do a tight, tight three to five. You know, I did three. I did five minutes my first set with them because I had a bunch of people come to watch me, um, which was great. And then I did uh, three minutes the next time because I didn't have, I didn't tell anybody I was going. I was just like, I, I just wanted to just do a set. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, so, so hitting these mics are so important, and then just tightening up our stuff and like, and seeing what works. I mean, like, just growing as comics, right? That's an important thing. We got to be doing that. And so, um, it's cool that you're able to be there and doing that kind of stuff. Now. So now you talk about writing, you talk about, um, you talk about just the different people around you. So, so let's talk about your writing a little bit. Like when you write, like what's your discipline like? Because, because I know comics are like, I I don't write. Like I just kind of just go up. Like I think Bill Burr is one to say like, he doesn't write anything. He just kind of goes up and just, he knows where he's going, but he just goes off, off cup. And if that's all true, dude, that guy's, that guy's a freaking genius. Right. (laughs) But, but, um, but most people, they write they write and they write and they write. Um, so, so what's your, what's your strategy? What's your tactics of writing? Okay. Um, so my tactics of writing tend to be, I will come up with a funny thought and I'll either write it down or uh, it'll end up in my phone. Uh, and then like, I just think about it for a while. What's funny about this thought? Uh, what, what are some jokes I can do about it? Uh, and, and then I, I start working it out on stage. Uh, and I'll, I'll try the joke as it's written. Sometimes I'll mess it up because I don't have it memorized yet and it's not funny enough to memorize yet. Uh, and then I'll keep doing the joke until like just 
breaking off pieces of it until it's funny or adding something. Uh, sometimes I'll add something in the moment. Uh, and I'll have like a new tag or something like that. Uh, and so like that, that's pretty much my process is I, I kind of know what I want to say before I go out. I've probably written it down. Uh, but once I'm on stage, I don't, I, I don't know exactly how it's going to go. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I'm trying to get more like free that way. Um, that's one thing like you're talking about, like it's difficult to find mic time in West Virginia. I felt like every mic I had was too precious. You know, like, like I, I, I was like, okay, I have five minutes. I have 10 minutes worth of jokes I need to work. So I better choose the, the, uh, the, the five minutes of jokes that uh, most need work or the ones that are closest to being ready. And I would go out and I'd work those in the list or whatever. Uh, I, I'm trying not to do that as much here because the stage time is, is I guess like, like there are certain stages where the stage time is, is just as valuable, if not more so, but some of the, like the, the, the lower one, like, like the, um, the rooms that are like mostly open mic rooms uh you know it's like okay i i can i can afford to go up there and like freestyle a little bit i can have like a premise i can try to talk out on stage right. um and then like add stuff to and be more natural with and so that that works you know like it, it it's um a different kind of process and so like i i would say that 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 my my process has just kind of like been evolving because of that uh, and yeah. what I'm hoping to get to is a point where I have uh, solid enough time that I'm able to get booked on long enough spots that then I don't need to do as many mics where I can like introduce a premise during like a 10, 10 minute set or something, try it out for a couple jokes. If it doesn't work, I can abandon it and move on to something else. Uh, but you know, like, I, I don't want to do that in like a two or a five minute or like a seven minute showcase, like, cause you, know, you, you don't have time on something like that to, to be like, well, here's a joke I'm working on. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's gotta be all killer and no filler on those. Uh, yeah. and so like, that's kind of where I've evolved to, I'm trying to just be more able to float around and be, I guess, go on stage less prepared than I have traditionally. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, cause and I think that's the thing too. Like some people that think like, Oh man, you like within, like you gotta be line by line by line. No, I mean, you gotta know, I mean, you gotta know mentally like where you're going with your joke, but if you're, I mean, with our minds, right. Comic minds, like we, we can create things with stuff we already knew we were going with. Right. I mean, it's like, you can have a strategy in mind, but once you go out there, you're like, no, nah, I'm going to add this in there because I think that's that sounds funny in my head and that's going to come out and see what happens. And then it happens, you're like, and then you just kind of watch how the audience responds. And when they respond with the, what you wanted them to, awesome. If they don't, then say, okay, gosh, I've got to get back to it, you know? Yeah. But but yeah, because, I mean, bombing is a part of the process, right? I mean, like, yeah. and, and, and sometimes, and I think too, like something we think bombing, like everybody in the room's not laughing, I'm bombing. It's like, no, nah, I mean, you can get, you can have five or six people laughing and celebrate that laughter. But the rest of the people are like, okay, what do I need to do to get the rest of the people to be what, laughing at what these people are laughing at? Um, and that's a, and that's just part of the process. So that's awesome that you're. At that spot. So, um, 
so so we're getting kind of close on time here. So I, I want to ask you this question though, because these two questions, because they're, okay. they're big big questions uh, for everybody asked. So first thing is, um, what do you see happening in comedy right now that is really good that you think is like man, like this mm. is this is this is good stuff for for the for the whole idea of comedy for people to be experiencing. This is good. What what, what would you say that you see is happening right now? That's good. Uh, one thing that I really like that's going on in comedy right now uh, is that uh, it, it is more inclusive than comedy had been previously. Um, th there's people of all shapes, sizes, colors, sexual orientations and identities, and they all have a voice in comedy now. You know, like um, there, there's still the spaces for, you know, the white cis guys like me, like I could, but there, there's these other spaces where these people have a voice and a lot of them are hilarious. Yeah. You know, and, and so like, I'm really encouraged by that because one of the reasons I started doing comedy and I, I like it so much is I get to hear a perspective interpreted through somebody who lives a different life than I do. Mm -hmm. And and so, like, I, I'm loving that. Like, I, I think it's moving in that right direction. Um, I, I don't think it's about wokeness, as they say. I, it's it's just, it's inclusion. It's about, these people have something to say that's interesting and funny. Let's mm. let's listen to it, you know? Like, yeah. let's at it. And, and I think that also brings people together because we find out that there's common experiences. And I think that it, that helps bridge some of those gaps between, you know, like, so, I, I don't know that... Um, you know, somebody's gonna like like your average drunken redneck's gonna seek out like like a trans comic uh, showcase or something. But if they happen to end up there, then um, you know, like they might enjoy it. You know, they yeah. they might learn something. They might uh, be more willing and more accepting of those individuals. Uh, and you know, that doesn't have to be just. Yeah, I don't I don't know about using the term redneck that that might be unfair <laughs> yeah yeah but no i but i get your point though yeah like you're not going to get that person who you know like people are going to seek out the type of comedian they want to seek out right i mean like because yeah. everybody but the thing is though is that there's a broader reach now and i love that you're that's a great thing like fortune feimster dude my wife and i love fortune feimster she's fantastic but she's oh, yeah, and, but she's, she's also you know lesbian you know and but and people be like oh my gosh lesbian like no she's hilarious listen to her stories she's got some great stuff to share and then you have uh may martin right may martin is is hilarious too she's she's or they are fantastic right they're fantastic um because i am sorry i use i use the pronoun of she she that's not they are fantastic um but and then you have people like nate bergazzi Jim Gaffigan, you know, then you have a Chris Rock, I mean, Kevin Hart, Dave Chappelle, you have everybody from all walks of life speaking into comedy and that's fantastic. So that's great stuff. I love that. Second question to wrap this up then, or technically to wrap this up, what do you see happening in comedy right now that you don't like? What is stuff that you're like, man, I wish this wasn't happening or I wish we could figure out how to, sh how to tighten this sh ship to me, like the thing, the trend I don't like seeing is people complaining about like woke comedy and cancel culture, mm -hmm. because right. I, I don't think that those things are really happening the way people are suggesting, um, you know, with, with, with cancel culture, there, there's accused headliners and, 
convicted headliners that are are, are touring and putting out specials. And right. so like, it's like how they're still making money. They might just not be making as much money as they had been. Right. And so that's really that. I mean, you got to make a choice at some point. You're like, do you, you want a bigger tent that uh, of lots of people who are different, you know, uh, think differently, look different, or do you want to have like your little tent uh, where you can say whatever you want, uh, but it, it, there might not be as many people along for that ride, you know? So like, those, yeah. it, it's, it's really like a business decision at, at some point. And, yeah. uh, and you know, like I, I do think that sometimes I, I'm pretty far on the left I, I do think that the left tends to eat their own sometimes. And uh, I don't know that that's healthy for comedy as well. I, I think that it, sometimes we have to go, okay, like we're at an open mic. We're trying some stuff out. Some of it's not going to work. We can't be like, don't ever come back to this mic. You have to be like, eh, you might try this next time. Like I, I think it yeah. needs to be like a, more of a gentleness about that sort of stuff and i understand why people who are on the you can't say anything in comedy anymore feel that way because it's like they'll say something and then they don't even get an opportunity to learn from it it's just automatically shouted down you're terrible blah 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 they need love they need to be like Mm -hmm. hey you know you might not know this about that uh, about you know but that and some people won't care and some people will yeah but you know if you if you lash out against people, a lot of them are going to return uh, that lashing and anger and they're going to dig into their position deeper and it just doesn't work. You know, like, why can't we just all get along? Yeah. <laughs> You're in the right place for that, man. Um, yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a big thing. I think that, you know, there are going to be comics who just want to push the line and then push the limits and like let that, you know, but, and I've talked about that before too, is like, you know, Listen, if you built up your if you built up your identity as that, then you're going to have your audience for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because you don't gain more people doesn't mean that you're being canceled. It just means that some people just don't find that funny, and that's and and that's okay. We got to be willing to say that. Um, but yeah, woke stuff is like I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of like I I've been I've been accused of being woke, and I'm just like why? Because I care, like because I care about people. Like that's just weird. But it's like it's just figuring out how to like you know, figuring out how to speak in a way that's like honest and open and being able to say, listen, let's grow together. Right. And if you don't want to grow, then you'll find your audience that don't, that doesn't want to grow either. And they're going to stay where they're at. But if you want to grow as an individual, then you're going to get your audience that wants to grow with you and accept you to help you, help you grow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's good. Well, like, well, like people oh, yeah, sometimes like will, um, you know, they'll put in like names like George Carlin or, uh, 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 Lenny Bruce, I'd be like, well, they're like, you're not, they're not getting arrested. Nobody's out there getting like Lenny Bruce got arrested for them. Like you, you don't. And George Carlin, he didn't punch down. He he right. took on some big topics, but he was always uh, he was always with the underdog. And I think that that's one thing that people lose track of and forget in those arguments is that no, he was going, he was about that stuff he's, he's trying to elevate people yeah but yeah uh yeah. and then like you know like i had an example um a while back somebody i found out that one of the jokes i was telling uh what was 
like offensive to a certain community. And I thought about it. I took inventory. Do I need this 15 second joke that is dependable? Usually gets laugh. And like, if it hurts somebody, I can write a better joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah. yeah. And I didn't get into comedy because it was easy. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing is it's it's not. I mean, like to write to write jokes that people can relate to, but also find funny. Like it's, you know, it's it's hard. You know, it is it, it takes work and it's uh it's a process. So man, it's been I I I enjoy I enjoy being a part of this with you. So so Nick, um, people want to find you. How do they find you, man? Uh, all socials at fake Nick Griff. Uh, that's F A K E N I C K G R I F F. Uh, that's going to be Facebook, Threads, Insta, TikTok. Uh, you can also find me at Nicholas or Nick Griffith Comedy. You can also find me at nickgriffithcomedy.com. Awesome. All that will be in the show notes, man, and people will be able to find you, and it's great. So, Nick, very funny. Keep doing what you're doing in L.A., dude. I'm rooting for you, and uh, I enjoy I enjoy having these conversations. So uh, hopefully oh, I'll have you, you again sometime. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, let me know when you're out this way. We'll go mic in or show, do a show or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and keep doing you, man. You're doing good out there. And I appreciate you keeping things going out in West Virginia. And uh, uh, good luck on the tour and with uh, the baby. And yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, dude. Thanks. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. Peace. Take care. All right. Well, that was my conversation with Nick Griffith, and I'm not going to talk too much longer with this laryngitis stuff because it's horrible for you to be listening to this. But again, if you like the conversation, if you like this podcast, share it, subscribe, comment, do all that um, because it's going to help. So uh, if you could do that, that'd be great. Um, Again, uh, we're on the last legs of our tour. So November 17th, we're going to be at the Historic Glen Ferris Inn in Glen Ferris, West Virginia. We got uh, Trini Sigler, Jim Bob Williams, um, Dan Desmond, Rev T Mac, and I'm headlining. So it's going to be a great, great show. $30 ticket for an Italian buffet and a great comedy. So come on out to that. Their phone number will be in the show notes if you want to call them for a ticket. Again, it's going to be a great, great night. Um, and Nick Griffith's information is going to be in the show notes, show notes as well. And then, of course, you can go to bobbybcomedy.com and for merch and uh, for more details on my comedy stuff. Again, after November 17th, I'm going to be off for a while. I've got our baby coming, so i got to prepare for that. And then once the baby gets here, I'm going to be probably back on the road doing comedy and it's beginning in February. So uh, we're watching out for more dates coming after that. So that's it. I'm done. I'm tired. This voice is horrible, and I've been taking up your time. This with uh, this is taking up your time with Bobby Benavides, and again, I'm your host, Bobby Benavides, with laryngitis. This is not normal. It won't be this way next episode.